0: Welcome to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. Charlene. It's leap year. It is. And so accidentally, kind of on purpose, we leapt over an episodio on the 15th. We did. But that also means that we have a longer Weedy Weedy for February because leap year.
1: Because bonus. Right?
0: Yes. I think this is our first leap year as a podcast. Hmm? I think no, no, no. I'll have to go back in calendar, but it feels like this is the first leap year we're doing in a podcast.
1: Why the hell do we have leap year anyway? So let me tell <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't It's one of those things I don't understand. And it only happens often enough that I'm like, why do we have leap year? And then I forget that I wondered.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Well, okay. So because we don't have even months. You know we have thirty or thirty one.
1: Sure, and then February's a weirdo,
0: right? Because we don't have three consistently three hundred and sixty five days in a year.
1: Oh, wow! I'm gonna yeah. have to overthink that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. So because we do have a longer leap year bonus, weedy weedy for this uh, for this February. We have a couple things to go over. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll tease you and say that Yolanda will be the end. Ugh. That you know what I'm talking about. So just sit it out. Wait until the end. Okay. But first, it's all about lenguaje, language. Okay. And there's a couple things. First is that you got me this really cool book for, uh, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it is called, let me grab it here. It's called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. So this book, well, first, why did you get it for me before I explain what it is?
1: Only because of the name. It just sounded like such a cool title that I literally judged a book by its (laughs) cover and was like, you know who needs this?
0: cat? It is a super interesting book. So the book is um, The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows is a compendium of new words for emotions. So, you know, those things that we feel, but there's not like quite the word for it. Right. So for instance, you know there's deja vu, right? Mm-hmm. There's des vu or de vu, the awareness that this moment will become a memory.
1: Oh, right. Okay. I like it.
0: So in going through this, there's a couple that I, you know, that are ab- absolutely like spot on. Mm-hmm. But one of them that I thought was really really super interesting. Okay. All about language and all about how our emotions are tied to this language or like how our emotions at that intersection of assimilation and brown pride are tied to a language. Okay. So fool's guilt.
1: Mm-hmm. Noun. Mm-hmm.
0: A pulse of shame you feel even though you've done nothing wrong. <laughs> like <laughs> passing a police car while under the speed limit, being carded after legally ordering a drink, or exiting a store without buying anything. Yes. And So yes, that, you know, yes and, I want to say, because I think it goes further for that intersection of Brown pride and assimilation, because for me, it's not just about entering a store and exiting without paying. It's about I'm in the store and like, I promise I'm not stealing anything. I always have this like guilt of like, oh, they're watching because I'm for some reason I'm going to steal something.
1: So in where we live pretty recently, we got, they did away with the like single-use plastic bags right right to save the planet and all the things um this has caused me such an immense amount of fool's guilt so that i cannot <laughs> express to you because now i'm like i'm walking into a store with my own bag right prime As we're supposed for to do. stealing mm-hmm As we're supposed to do or if i walk in with a return and it's in my own bag like i have had times where i have to return something to target i will scour my home for a target bag so that i can put the thing (laughs) from target in the old target bag so they will know that i'm not stealing this had not occurred to me that i was doing this until now These plastic bags are like few and far between. So I have my own, you know, sack to take shit in. And I'm like, they're gonna think that I brought this bag in, shoved this in the bag, and I'm trying to return it because I don't have the receipt because I'm a train wreck. And now I'm gonna go to jail about this sweater that I hate. Right?
0: I kind of do the same thing in that when I have the bag, I purposefully like pat it down, like there's nothing in here. (laughs) Yes but to to go one step further and sitting at that intersection cuz i doubt we're the only ones who ever do this but when you are bipoc when you are brown it it almost feels to me like you have that extra layer of an expectation of guilt anyway totally so even though the 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 definition was talking about like passing a passing a police officer or a police car and you're you're going under the speed limit For me, it's if there's a cop behind me, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, they're running my plates. What am I doing? (laughs) Are are my lights working? Are my turn signals working? Like all of the things that go through my head, like palms start getting sweaty because I don't know. Like, yes, I've been pulled over for speeding because I speed. But I just automatically feel like what the fuck am I guilty of if they're behind me? And especially if they're behind me for more than a block. Right. And I have had a car before where I legit had purchased it from someone who used to run substances that were classified in Schedule 1. And and so I know that I got pulled over several times Cat. because of that car.
1: You are, Okay, we had this, conver- I had this conversation today earlier. Mm-hmm. My first car mm-hmm. as a teenager was a car that belonged previously to someone who dabbled in entrepreneurship with (laughs) not so legal substances. I would get pulled over all the time in high school and they genuinely looked surprised when I would roll down the way too dark tinted window.
0: Oh my god, same.
1: This is bizarre.
0: Gold honda with gold flames on the front hand painted gold flames but that i mean that's the thing is like no matter what i'm driving i feel that way but it especially was heightened when i was in that car because Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it was from a person who was known in the system right and and when i had when i whenever i traveled up i-70 um and that's where one of the um the checkpoints is that's outside Mm -hmm, of our mm -hmm. border right that we have to go through to travel outside of the vicinity of our borderland area right there's several and we've talked about this before about who gets pulled over and who doesn't right those were the times where i had the most questions was when i was in that vehicle with the too dark Mm -hmm. uh tints and you know, they had swapped out the engine so that it was a lighter engine so that they could carry more <laughs> substances. And yeah, I, those were the times where I would be spending literally several minutes answering questions about where I was going, right. who I was going to yeah. go see, all of the things. Damn,
1: that's wild. This, this is very strange that we both had this experience <laughs> because I would have thought I was the only one in the world. Uh-uh. In this area? No. no yeah, true. Weird. Mm-hmm. So you got me thinking about this, though. Guilt. We've talked a lot about Catholic guilt, right? This religious mm-hmm. guilt because whatever, however we grew up. But you got me going down this rabbit hole of guilt and what it means. And there are, like, a lot of different kinds of guilt that are separated out. So what? There, mm-hmm. So there's there are guilty thoughts. Um, so you might be you might feel guilty about what you were thinking. Oh, yeah. Okay. And be worried that other people might judge you if they knew what you were thinking. Uh-huh. That's not normal. Oh, wait <laughs> It's not normal? <laughs> no. People don't... mm But no. mm Not normal. Wow. Um, there's also reactive guilt. So when you have a normal reaction to something that leads to something negative um it's reactive guilt so you might like have a hard time letting go of that feeling even though things worked out you still feel guilty because of however it transpired okay shouldn't have turned out that way but it did still feel guilty
0: my mind is still blown about the first guilt. (laughs) no
1: none of these are okay Okay. Uh Um, Existential guilt, Mm -hmm. where you just feel guilty about injustices in the world and you're not living them. So like other people are suffering and you feel guilty that you're having this privilege that you're not suffering like these other people.
0: So for instance, Palestine.
1: Absolutely. Okay. I'm sleeping in a warm bed. I have food and I'm thinking about these people starving to death and I can't let it go. I feel guilt about Being a survivor, basically, of this thing—that's also not normal. No. Oh. Mm -hmm. Um, maladaptive. Isn't that
0: called empathy? I'm sorry. I don't. I didn't mean to step all over you, but.
1: So I think it gets to a point where it's where you can say it's not normal if it's affecting, like, if you're having insomnia because of this. If you, if it's affecting your ability to focus and concentrate on normal tasks, Uh, so there's a point at which it is, you know, to have the fleeting thought is probably fine. To perseverate on these things and to, to have it affect your daily life is not normal.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um, there's also maladaptive guilt where you have really strong feelings of guilt about things that you have no control over.
0: Okay, can I have an example?
1: Um. So say you are hanging out with your pregnant niece and then they get COVID and you don't have COVID but you were around a bunch of people and now you're like I was a carrier she got COVID I gave Ah. her COVID it's all you know and now you had no control over that you didn't put yourself you didn't knowingly go to the house sick all the things but now you're gonna obsess about it was my fault i did this i should have for me culpa for right. culpa. Por mi gran all the things culpa. oh wow and so all this excessive guilt um can really be rooted in a lot of mental health conditions or really difficult experiences mm-hmm. oh yeah we thought it was just catholic guilt it's not oh my god um it can actually be a symptom of ocd what depression um childhood trauma especially if you are always being blamed for things or if you were treated like you were a bad, you know, quote-unquote bad kid, that can stick with you and so you're always looking for reasons why you're bad and so that guilt just kind of comes out naturally. Um, going against cultural norms, so your whole life you thought I thing was normal and then you realize it's not everybody deals with this and then you have this immense guilt that you had to live this way. Um... Constantly worrying about what other people think. Okay. okay. And also um, anxiety is a really bad one. Oh, yeah. And the guilt. And I didn't think about it in this way because you and I both talk about how we have anxiety about all the things. Um, But reliving past events where you didn't do or say the exact right thing and it causes you (laughs) guilt for not doing it. And you
0: replay it over and over like a movie in your head constantly. Oh, my God. I know. Okay. So these were all things that totally make sense. In the grander scheme of things that I think would also intersect with you and I and other listeners and other folks who are BIPOC, bocha, living on the border or otherwise, the trauma, like guilt just by being BIPOC. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, going back to the, I must have done something wrong if the cop is staying behind me for more than a right. block. I'm being watched, not just because I have my bag, because we don't have plastic bags in the city anymore, but they're going to think that I have stolen something. Like, I always mm-hmm. have my hands freaking either behind me or, like, open mm-hmm. so that I'm mm-hmm. not taking anything. Right. It's That's not that's not just, like, a childhood thing, like your parents telling you, no toques nada. Mm-hmm. It's also... How BIPOC people have been treated? Absolutely, and so that causes that trauma, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And you just are BIPOC guilty, guilty of BIPOC-ness
1: guilty in this by world. BIPOC, yes, guilty of BIPOC. But yeah, absolutely. No, it's there is um, it's it's almost like the stereotype where you you know that you fit this stereotype, and so you're trying to contradict it by keeping your hands open or walking in, patting down the bag. So the security camera catches it. Like <laughs> it that's real. Wow. I, and, and some of
0: these things, they make sense because it's like, oh, I can't possibly be the only person. But right. some of these things, like the very first guilt that you had mentioned, where it's like the thoughts that you have mm-hmm. that that's not normal, like quote unquote normal right Right. but it's a guilt that we shouldn't necessarily have to deal with every single day like if someone were reading my thoughts and it it just feels like culturally Mm -hmm. especially as a queer person right like culturally and religiously Mm. um, thoughts in particular about sexuality
1: Mm -hmm.
0: if someone was reading my mind about what I'm thinking about about my partner right now oh my god kind of thing
1: I have um i will project my guilt onto other people by like if i have a dream that my husband was cheating um i will be angry that he doesn't feel bad about that in the morning (laughs) yeah that's funny (laughs) not to him
0: (laughs) i mean you are not probably not the only Latina who has like
1: you cheated on me in my dream, pendejo. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. no, I'll be mad at him for a whole day, and he's like, are you, "Seriously?" I'm like, "You're yeah. the one. You're the one who was acting that way." Yeah. Like if I'm dreaming about it, something must be up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm psychic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or
0: psychotic. I don't know.
1: I love both. I love both. <laughs> Obviously, I have all of these maladaptive guilty <laughs> behaviors that we just discussed.
0: This book, though, is amazing. And I love that you thought of me of it because language and etymology of words, like mm-hmm. the history of words or the roots of words, that is so fascinating to me. Like, how mm-hmm. did how did a tomato get get called a tomato in its beginnings? Like, what was it about it? How did we get to... All of these other maladaptive guilts, like mm-hmm. how did we get? What is the history of it? Because clearly, someone else has right. Right. gone through this, thought about it, and so for this book, like a lot of these, when I read through them, I'm like,
1: oh shit, I'm not the only one. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is this is real enough that someone created language around it.
0: Not only created a language around it. It's a New York Times bestseller apparently.
1: So there's lots of people right that are having these thoughts.
0: It very fascinating to me.
1: I love it. Very. Um, and this is
0: this is also proving that we're not only at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation, we're at, like at the intersection of mental health, we're at the intersection <laughs> of guilt, we're at the intersection insanity of sanity <laughs> and insanity. Yes. <laughs> and therapy <absolutely>. and <laughs> and coping.
1: Yeah, I like it. <laughs>
0: There's another whole ass language thing that I've been pondering. Okay. And it's the power of language. Mm -hmm. And so I'll give you a for instance. Um, When we review some of the before they air or otherwise, when we review the the podcasts, the executive producer will tell me like, you talked more than Charlene or Mm. you talked over Charlene, you know, (gasps) this amount of times. Mm hmm. And that can be language as power. Who's doing the talking and mm-hmm. who's doing the cutting off? Mm-hmm. And in a whole last other podcast that I was listening to about the Supreme Court, because I'm that nerdy.
1: There are other podcasts?
0: Um, just one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's about the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And they were talking about the language as power, even for the highest, some of the most powerful people in mm. our country who decide on cases that have huge impacts, right? Sure. The ability to have contraception, the ability for women to be able to get credit cards on their own, mm-hmm. the, the ability for uh, LGBTQ people to um, have marriages. Mm-hmm. The language and power that is associated with our justices is shittily sad and fascinating. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean... Season 2, episode 12 of this particular, um, shoot, I'll have to look up the name, but um, of this podcast just looked at how often the female justices are interrupted, not just by other justices in the court, okay, but how they are interrupted by the attorneys who go into, um, who go into the hearings for a case. Oh, well. And it's fucked up because, A, that's the highest court in our land, right, in in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And for someone else to go into someone else's house and talk over them is, like, that's not just uncouth. That is, like, supremely disrespectful. You do not talk over a justice. But attorneys feel it's okay to talk over the female justices. Other justices talk over the female justices. They're in the middle of asking a question, and they'll just... Straight in, be like, nope, my question is more important. Mm-hmm. And it shows that power that language has and the hierarchy of language.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And that actually coincides with a conference that I went to where one of the things that was talked about was the power of language in a queer community for English language over other languages and how in this conference they were like, and we are going to respect that other folks need a translation of some sort in order to be able to be part of the conversation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And one of the things they had, and they did this every morning, and they did this at the beginning of every um, session that they had, was talk about we are doing this, we're going to make sure that we have some guidelines. If we are talking too fast for the interpreters, Mm. we all are going to tell the people to slow down. If we can't hear clearly enough for the interpreters and you see the interpreter giving the signal for raise your voice, we all tell the people to, to raise their voice so that they can be heard. And they're setting these guidelines because language is power and who is able to, participate and who can understand clearly what's going on is powerful because if you don't understand half the things because someone's mumbling and and so the interpreter can't catch everything or if you're talking so quickly that the interpreter can't catch everything then Mm -hmm. you've walked away with only part of the discussion Mm -hmm. and that's not powerful because knowledge is power then you have missed out Mm -hmm. you were not able to even participate because you're not understanding everything that is going on And so language in these powerful ways, not just of who gets cut off, not just of who can understand and participate, um, and not just in our particular situation at that intersection of brown pride and assimilation, who is fluent in Spanish and who is not. Those are incredibly powerful intersections of where we see language happening and how we, we gloss over it a lot of times, like, how many times as a woman have you gotten interrupted and you just kind of accepted it or mm-hmm. you had to really like raise your voice to mm-hmm. make sure that you're heard?
1: Like on this podcast? Like on this podcast. Me, every day. Just cause. <laughs> No, you're, you're right, Kat, and you're making me think about... Um, When you brought this up, I started doing a little bit of reading and a little bit of research because it's something that I feel like I know happens, but I wanted to know if this really happens. So you were talking about this podcast, More Perfect, where they're talking about the Supreme Court and how the female justices are getting interrupted more. So in 2014, George Washington University did a study where they found that men interrupted women 33% more of the time than they did when speaking to men. And then similarly women interrupted other women more often than they interrupted men so there's this whole like cycle happening of how i am going to find my power right as a woman so i might not interrupt the man because it's not socially acceptable but i'm going to interrupt you because you're another woman and a i've been taught that that's okay and b i'm i need a win so i'm going to interrupt you so i can feel more powerful in a in a way that feels safe to me also there's this fascinating NPR article that talked about speaking up and how women and other marginalized communities are often interrupted or talked over because there's a hierarchy, right? Who has power gets more voice. So they're actually naming some different strategies to utilize for if you're constantly getting interrupted. And some of them have some backlash to them. So calling out the interrupter and saying like, Hey Craig, I was actually finishing a thought. Do you mind if I, you know, complete what I'm saying? That can actually go against the person calling it out because then they're looked at as bitchy, bossy, Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Or if you're constantly like, Hey, that was my idea. I hey, they stole my idea. They said it first. They said it louder, then you're whiny, right? So this can fall back on the person who's actually trying to get their voice heard. One of the strategies that's named most effective, and this is also kind of shitty, but it really names what you were talking about is called amplification, where you essentially set up a group of folks that are going to back each other up to have the message amplified. So for example, I say, hey, I have this idea to blah, blah, blah. And you say, you repeat it and say, oh, blah, blah, blah. I think that could be really effective. And then you have a third person that actually says, and I love this idea, and if we do blah, 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 and then create a survey, so they they not only repeat it, they affirm it, and then they create a next step. So all of that amplification is well-received, and it makes it seem like it's not just this one whiny person saying, oh, but I said that, or I was talking and you interrupted. It gives it more voice. So this is kind of what you're talking about where the whole group now says, hey, you're speaking too quickly or, and it doesn't fall on the person who's being interrupted. So it also gives them a little bit of an out while also keeping their idea at the top. Oh, I love that. It's also shitty because you can't just do it by yourself. You need a whole homegirl system. Yes. Yes. So so
0: yes, I love it. And you're right. It's shitty. It's incredibly shitty.
1: But it's very fascinating um, to think about what this looks like and... You know, it it also makes you think about who gets to do this. So if women do this, they're emotional, they're whiny, they're whatever. If men do it, oh, they're powerful, they have great ideas, they're coming in strong. So already these stereotypes are playing into what we've been taught for ages. Absolutely. And other than
0: power dynamics with, you know, male-female and the patriarchy, other than power dynamics within a pocha society like... Who is fluent in Spanish, who is not, and who like, Mm -hmm. who stays quiet because they don't quite have all of the fluency, right? Right. There's also um, the accent power dynamic. And it's like within the last day of this recording, a family member was like, hey, can you call XYZ thing for me? Mm -hmm. Because you have better English Mm -hmm. and they will listen to you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and I mean I think in the past I would have like oh you know you're right but now that this has been really weighing on me Mm -hmm. I'm like that's fucked up because your accent shouldn't make a difference about whether or not you're listened to and even in a relationship one of the things that I've learned because it was voiced to me was my partner saying like sometimes you talk over me and that that makes me feel like what I'm saying has no worth. Mm. And so I've had to, I'm, I'm not perfect at it because sometimes I still do it like a pendeja but I've had to really think about like, did I interrupt someone? And that's actually been helpful because if we are in a work setting and I'm facilitating a conversation, I try to, oh, that person was interrupted. Let's get back to that person Mm -hmm. and try to be cognizant of the voices that we're bringing in. Right. Because oftentimes the voices that we trample are the ones that have some of the most brilliant things to bring to the table.
1: Um, One thing that I wrote down as a note that I find hilarious about you when we're in conversation, and I think it's because you're trying to be really cognizant of this, of interrupting, um, is that you have a thinking finger. Oh, I so, do. <laughs> if someone's saying something and it sparks a thought for you, you now are very cognizant of not interrupting that person, but you'll put your index finger out to indicate, like, this is making me think about something, and I'm not going to say it right now, but I'm thinking about something, right? Like, you do this thing. Or if somebody asks you a question and you're not ready to respond immediately you put up your thinking finger like you know raise the little finger like i'm not ignoring you but i need to formulate the thought so that i can articulate what the answer is to your question i really appreciate that because once people get to know you they understand that this is what is happening and you're communicating non-verbally that I have a thought and I'd like to share it or I have a thought and I'm not ready to share it but I really appreciate that I didn't think anyone noticed that I do that like
0: with my fingers because I get so excited in my brain of like oh I have this thing to say mm-hmm. and so like one or two things will will pop up I never thought anyone noticed that, I did that. it might just be me don't get excited <laughs> hey even one person noticing
1: yeah you made me think though that my pocha is gonna shine so bright right now okay be ready all right did you ever read pygmalion or watch my fair lady
0: uh, i read pygmalion i didn't Ooh, did i watch i watched <laughs> here's my pocha <laughs> i watched my fair lady because my father used to be part of a barbershop quartet and they did they did a production okay go mm
1: damn Um, yeah your pocha just (laughs) is gleaming in the night sky right now so for those who might not be familiar it's an old um story and then play about a woman named eliza doolittle who speaks english with a what they call a cockney accent Mm -hmm. which is for lower class english speakers right in london and she wants to be considered a quote-unquote lady of higher stature. And so she gets taken on by this phoneticist who's helping her perfect her accent so that she can be considered classy, basically. Mm -hmm. And it really made me think about how we we even judge accents. So someone with a British accent, we're like, oh, they're so sophisticated and so smart. Someone with a heavy Spanish accent, we're like, oh, they just don't get it. They don't understand. They don't know what's happening. We make these assumptions based on absolutely zero real data, we're going on stereotype and old tropes about what this particular person's culture based on their accent is bringing to the table. And it's so terrible because it's exactly what you just named about your cousin. They know that their accent, their particular accent, is not going to make someone feel like they're mysterious or intriguing or intelligent it's going to be quite the opposite and they're going to have a hard time getting what they need.
0: Right. Wow. Okay, so that's totally spot on about the the British accent or the European accent getting more weight because, mm-hmm. you know, how many times have we heard like, but when they say it in the British accent, it, you know, it, sa- it just sounds better, right? right? Yeah. It's
1: sophisticated or it interesting is. or whatever.
0: And And that even happens with depending on the kind of, Spanish accent you have, right? Like if you Mm -hmm. have the Spaniard, Castilian, Ah, Spanish accent when you're speaking English, Mm -hmm. it weighs different than if you have an accent that is from Guatemala or, you know, Brazil or what have you. It's the weight of whatever someone is saying is carried differently.
1: I have a story that I wasn't going to tell, but now I am. So a couple of weeks ago, um, our daughter has a, a little friend at school who... We were trying to set up a play date and we don't know the parents and we've never interacted with them or anything. And so my husband's like, We'll get their number and we'll see if we can set up a play date. So he's texting with the mom. And he's like, Yeah, I don't know. The texting is going interestingly. I'm not sure what's happening. She's kind of not responding. Maybe it's because the dad is responding to the mom and, you know, she thinks it's odd or whatever. So I said, Well, let me take over. So I start texting. And it's fine. It's kind of short, but whatever. So I get to their house, and we I'm dropping off my daughter, and we start this conversation, and it becomes really clear to me very quickly that she speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, this is why the texting was going weird, because then written English, right? It's a whole other thing. Right. So I. I ask her in Spanish, do you speak Spanish? And she's like, yes, do you speak Spanish? And she's relieved, like physically relieved that I speak Spanish. And I tell her it's bad Spanish, but I speak Spanish. Mm. And she's like, great. So we start having this conversation. And then she asks me, where are you from? And I'm like, here. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, you sound like, um, I would have thought you were Spanish. And it didn't occur to me why. And then driving home, and you know, and we've talked about this on the podcast, I've been so paranoid about my lisp with this fucking retainer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. I think she thought I was Spanish because <laughs> of my lisp from my retainer. I mean. But maybe she assumed I was really smart or something. <laughs>
0: If you were male, she probably would have thought you were gay because of the lisp. Maybe.
1: But then I felt so sad. I was like, oh, it was because of... Like, I immediately realized, oh, it's because I'm a retainer. (laughs) Damn it. Oh,
0: all of a sudden you were Spaniard. All of a sudden. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. But actually talking about a lisp and queerness, Mm. how seriously... The, the stereotypical Absolutely. effeminate lisp is not taken as seriously as even a southern drawl of like... Totally. Yeah. And one thing that my partner and I, our executive tr- producer and I have talked about is the... So I'm not like completely butch, right? I am just, you know...
1: Moderately butch. <laughs> moderately butch.
0: I am <laughs> tomboy masculine. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the the i don't know whatever um but how that plays out and how Mm -hmm. even in language and in appearance the masculinity of which i have is different than the femininity that other folks carry and and the and the uh, weight that is given
1: do you think you have more interrupting power over a femme
0: Ooh. Um, that's an interesting question. And here's why, (laughs) because I think some femmes are like power tops. And so in some cases, I don't think that I would have (laughs)
1: interrupting power. Um, who would have interrupting power over you? Uh, you do sometimes, (gasps) especially when we're in meetings. So
0: like, if you're speaking and we're in a meeting, Mm. I'm like, Oh, just shut up because he, you know, the is got something to say.
1: I was going to say like Olivia Pope, but.
0: Oh. I mean, always.
1: Carrie yeah. <laughs> Washington, please interrupt me. Do you
0: feel that on a day-to-day when you're interrupted? Or, like, what happens to you when you're interrupted?
1: Um, another funny story. I had a meeting with the governor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love this story. And Already. this
1: lady, every time I opened my mouth for one syllable, she would talk over me. To the point that the people I was, like, we went in as a as a team, right? They were not amplifying shit, these people <laughs> that were <with> me. <laughs> they didn't amplify a damn thing. They're looking at me like, oh my God, this is, to the point that it's awkward, that every time I start to say something, and because I have the inability to disguise my emotions on my face. Um, I apparently was making some kind of a face to where she said, "I keep interrupting you, don't I?" And I said, "Yeah, I feel like we're going to have a thing now." And I kind of like and then she kind of laughed and then again, the people who should have been amplifying looked at me like, "Oh my god, you just said that to the governor." Like, and I did the whole like my eyes looking at your eyes with the like fingers pointed, you know. It's like, "We're going to have a thing now." And Wow, it was a whole thing, but oh yeah, interrupter. And I don't, and it was interesting because there were three women in one male who was with us, who is openly queer. You think she interrupted him? Not at all. No. So even in that space, he had authority and speaking power over the other three women that were in that group. And she deferred to him speaking.
0: Wow, that is so fascinating. It really was. You know, if I was her, I'd paid attention to your wings on your eyes and been I like, oh, mean, don't fuck with a bitch.
1: I had hoops on. Mm. Mm-mm. She has been in, if you are the governor of New Mexico and you don't recognize wings and hoops, Mm-mm. we were also sitting, I mean, the table's got to be 50 feet wide. and oh, a circle. Is it that circular? It's a huge Zia symbol, I don't know, all kinds of fancy, fancy table. And she's very tiny, so I think. The um, table was probably Maybe that's why
0: she does it in part Is because her stature as a, Just like as a human She's like a pocket governor She's a pocket governor And maybe she needs to kind of Assert herself in order to be taken seriously Like Napoleon Complex? Somewhat oh it, it is a very interesting you
1: Old school old. I'm sorry?
0: Napoleon wasn't that Oh, short.
1: he was not that little Apparently oh. mm-hmm. um, Well, from what we could see <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough um
0: there i have noticed that with some generationally older Mm. latina women Mm. in particular Mm. um there is that need to to feel like i i need to to show my place
1: assert power
0: assert power and then they will like continually talk over you or like like, if you're having just a normal conversation, but they want to be heard even more, they, like, amplify themselves yep. to the point where you're like, okay, I'll just shut up. I'll just stay quiet now because you're clearly yelling.
1: You know who asserted her power? Yolanda Saldivar. Oh, my God. <laughs> cat. That was
0: that was horrible. Cat. That was horrible.
1: This is a leap year bonus.
0: This is a leap year bonus. And I'm saying what was horrible is the fact that There was a docuseries about her.
1: So I have been seeing the hysteria around not watching and not giving attention to this woman Mm -hmm. that we have all shared in hatred of for the last 25 years. Almost 29 years, almost March 31st. I am not that old, so it's impossible. (laughs) But if it were possible, almost 30 years, we have had this communal hatred that is grounded in our love for selena um i have not watched the docuseries nor i don't think i will i just i don't feel the need i don't want to know i don't want to see it but you apparently have some info so
0: likewise i didn't want to watch the actual docuseries but i had heard enough about it on Uh, the peer review journal we call TikTok Mm -hmm. um, in a couple different ways. One was the Latino community coming together and being like, nobody watch this shit. Nobody wants to hear one thing that comes out of your mouth, which is actually a very interesting power dynamic in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Like, she will forever be guilty even if, you know, Moses himself came down and said, no, but really the gun went off on its own. That being said... The other very interesting thing that I saw on our peer review journal called TikTok was how the Black community came up and was like, "Listen, um, we defer to you on how if she gets out in the on the on in 2025 because she's up for parole. Right? We defer to you, but if you need us there, we will be there to help silence any Yolanda ness that's coming out.
1: I love that shit so much.
0: As do I like let's stand together for this because selena crossed boundaries she crossed she like everybody loves her everybody yeah. loves her okay so i haven't watched it i love that our uh that tiktok was all about it and giving us uh mm-hmm. not only uplifting us but also saying like just don't watch this shit so yes. i did go down a, a rabbit hole of okay so what are the spoilers then if i'm not gonna watch it
1: okay yeah what yeah, what, what what's are the spoilers? The hype? what's that hype? the hype was really nothing the
0: hype was just her saying, "Like I didn't mean to. Not I didn't. What? Wait. Not that I'm innocent. I didn't mean to. I didn't do it intentionally. It was an unintentional shooting. That's that's the whole premise.
1: What What does that mean? Why did you have a gun and why was it pointed at her?
0: So she had a gun because she, what she says, sure, she was afraid of uh, Selena's father, Abram. Okay. Take take that for what it is. Like, I'm not making any judgment calls. Okay, It's also Texas, and everybody got a pew-pew up in there. Sure. So she says that that's why she had the gun. Okay. And day of... I'm
1: trying to go with it.
0: Day of, she said she was in her own state of mental health or what have you, and she was... And here's a trigger warning, because, yes, she was threatening ideation with the gun pointed to her head. And right. then she pointed it at the door and it accidentally went off. So she, she is not saying I didn't do it. She's saying it wasn't the intention as the conviction upholds. I know you rolled your eyes. If you listen, I know in, in podcast land, you did not hear the eye roll, but you heard the sigh. And let me tell you the eye roll was, was you could no, have won a gold you know medal for that.
1: Gente, the gente heard the eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know.
0: And I will I will admit that when I saw some of the previews to this, I thought, because she's, she's like, it's time for the people to know the truth. Oh, my God. I thought she was going to be like, and then we had a relationship. And I was getting ready to be all sorts of mad, like, nah, this <gasps> did not happen. You thought
1: she was going to go, I go really that route? I really did think she was going to go that route. Oh,
0: what she did say, and what was a shock to me, okay. she said that uh, Selena was having an affair okay. and that she was covering for Selena in some ways, and that's why she had to make some checks paid out to herself because she, ha- she was making some purchases on Selena's behalf to cover for Selena's affair. Now, as it turns out, in 2012, the plastic surgeon whom she was having an affair with said, yes, we are. Ha- we had an affair, which was a shock to me. I did not know this. Like, what?
1: I know. Same. Wait, okay, wait. Whoa. You okay. said... That was a lot of things. Okay, wait. Okay, we'll pause. All right. Selena had a plastic surgeon. Yes. All Things we kind of knew. We- Who in...
0: 2012.
1: 2012. Admitted. That he had affair with her. Correct. As the surgeon.
0: As the surgeon.
1: And we believe this guy? I mean,
0: I have no reason not to. Like, what what does he gain from coming out in, you know, 2012 about... Really, what is he gaining? And what does
1: she gain? The free nose job?
0: Maybe. Oh, my God. So...
1: I so am left she, reckoning with so much right now.
0: <laughs> I apologize. Sorry, not sorry. And this even, is why I went okay, down this rabbit hole.
1: Even so. Even so. Even so. Yolanda is buying lingerie for Selena to wear with the nose surgeon
0: dude. She's buying something on Selena's behalf and then using checks okay, from I the made fan it club. salacious.
1: Maybe it was a coffee. Whatever. It whatever it was.
0: And then she's using the checks from the fan club to pay herself. I mean, these are all things that are bullshit, right? The, like one doesn't really have to no. do with the other.
1: Even if. Even if. Even if. Why would you be using the
0: fan club money to do this thing? That's just, that's even, even if that was true, it's still unethical. Because that's not where you would be pulling money from in order to do the things. But that being no. said, that being said, right, right. That was a bombshell for me wow. to learn that she, according to the plastic surgeon, was having an affair. I know. I know. Pobre Chris. I know. Damn. He got the shaft left, right, and center. Every
1: time. hmm Pobre vato. Mm-hmm. Damn.
0: So, I mean, we don't need to watch it. That's the spoiler is that she? it wasn't on purpose. Oh, again with the row eye roll you can hear the-
1: <laughs> if you can hear it maybe i need to drink more water <laughs> but oh my god no this makes me so fucking mad it's not like she was afraid that she was going to be attacked by her was she gonna attack her with her bustier was she gonna <laughs> strangle her with her good hair like none of this makes any fucking sense no and you, and then, and then you want to get your moment, your shining 15 seconds before you get released on parole because you know there's going to be a freaking bullet waiting for you. Like, people are not happy with this lady. No, they haven't been for there nearly 30 years. There are piñatas of this lady you know that people are beating. Is it pinata? We're having a Selena-themed <laughs> birthday. I don't care what my daughter wants. This is what we're doing. I, I just, to use that moment to be like, let me just trash talk her to make, put dirt on her name, on her grave, so that I look better for killing her. Bro, if women who had affairs deserve to be shot in the head by their friend, there'd be a lot more dead bodies. Right? No. hmm No. So this doesn't mean that she's
0: going to get out on parole, as we know. Those are. Two Do you think she will,
1: though? It's Texas. So yes.
0: I mean, no, they're in execution state. But they've, they do dumb doing...
1: shit every day. Fair. And they're probably like, hmm, let's see what happens. This could be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if we want to, uh, you know, cover up some of the nasty shit we're doing on the border, maybe we should let this lady out and see what happens. <laughs> let the let the newspapers go wild.
0: I, For her own safety, I mean, isn't she just better off in prison? Isn't she just better off in prison? Oh, 100%. Than out in the real world, even if she hasn't, she's unmistakably Mm -hmm. Yolanda Saldivar. I don't Mm -hmm. care if you put her out in Antarctica; the penguins will be like, "Oh, I know you, bro. I recognize you." People
1: didn't even like the actress who played her. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. They didn't even like the lady who pretended to be her. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to happen to this lady? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I'm I want to be in charge of that fan club.
0: With every membership, you get a free bat. one. Yes. <laughs> a oh, gun
1: I... with no safety. <laughs> that's mean, but. I mean, you're not the
0: only one who's thinking. What What is that guilt? You're not the only one who's thinking this.
1: This is crazy, though. Like, to talk mad shit after how many years and be like, oh, well, I didn't do it in Burmese. Mm-hmm. That's the I story. Was just, I was just helping her and I was afraid of her dad. That's God, the story God, that, that she is. has
0: stuck to. She said it she's sticking to it kind of thing. And
1: who are these dumbass people that made a documentary?
0: Oxygen. Oxygen mm-hmm. channel. Which also the other thing is that I I would really have to go out of my way to get the free trial subscription to watch it, and I wasn't going to about to do that, right? But Oxygen was the one who made it. And apparently it was like a very drawn out, like the first episode, because it's a three-episode docuseries. The first episode was just about Selena and, and her rise to fame and everything. So they had to like stretch as if we didn't know who she was. Stretch the story so that you can get pulled into it and watch all three episodes. So, they also did interviews with um, because there were some botches that happened in the investigation.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, so they talked to some of the folks who did the original investigation, they talked to Yolanda's family, they um, they what talked are to our the prosecutor. They believe her. They have oh the documents. God. They believe their family member. I mean, okay, so if that was you, would you just have been like, how do we get this uh, this leaf off Wait, the family tree? Wait, first of tree? all, when
1: you say if that was you, I, I know you're talking about Selena. Uh,
0: no, I'm a family member of <laughs> Yolanda. Oh, okay. Would okay. you back her play? Like, would you be like, but she's family, like blood's thicker than water? Blood's thicker than, como la flor? I don't know. No!
1: <laughs> Are you crazy? I had to, I had asked. I have family members that I don't talk to for much less.
0: <laughs> I love you.
1: <laughs> no, I would. I I'd be selling a memoir though. Like this bitch has been crazy since my third birthday. Let me tell you all the dirt. Well,
0: no, the family did not do that. They are standing by their family member.
1: Bro, I hope I. We better have a better legacy than that. Like, my claim to fame is Yolanda's my cousin.
0: Gross, (laughs) gross. Oh my! Well, all of this to say, like, don't watch it.
1: Don't watch it. The
0: the spoiler is that there was an affair, and uh, and she just she still maintains that she didn't do it on purpose. She's not saying that she's not guilty. Another eye roll.
1: I can't help it. It's my head is hurting
0: <laughs> for how many eye rolls you've done.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: All right. So there that's there you have it. I'm I glad you it. didn't watch it. I'm glad I didn't watch I it. I hate it
1: already. Mhm. What are we going to do in 2025?
0: It, it's not about what we're going to do. We are going to do a podcast about whatever happens. I'm I'm waiting to see if Like, does this help or hurt her?
1: Right. Right. So she is,
0: she's doing this obviously on a media campaign to try to.
1: Mm -hmm. Persuade. Yes.
0: Right. So does this help or hurt her case for parole? I don't, I think this is a backfire. Like I think Mm -hmm. when you're really stretching it to try to have some semblance of it really wasn't me and I didn't get a fair shake. That is gonna backfire on you typically. Like what what good comes out of you saying like, you you did not do any justice by me, all of it was shit, you didn't hear my side. You're basically saying like the justice system is fucked, which it kind of is. But in this particular case, you have to ask the basic questions. And one of the most compelling is, with the type of firearm that she had, the ability to accidentally shoot is incredibly difficult for anyone, much less a femme-bodied hand, right? Because it takes a lot to have to actually... The strength,
1: the hand strength.
0: Because it was a revolver. It wasn't like, you know. So just looking at that is like, there's not hardly a leg you can stand on to say that this was accidental. I mean, she
1: was forging a lot of checks, so her hand strength could (laughs) have been... (laughs) on point
0: (laughs) i still doesn't i don't think that gets her out no
1: really the best thing that can happen for this lady is that she stays in prison yeah yeah she cannot i mean
0: and i say that jokingly like she can't go anywhere without being recognized but really for real she is incredibly recognizable
1: and now she just made a docu-series to (laughs) To make it more recognizable, just in case you thought it was the actress and not the lady.
0: And I don't think there's any continent, like, anywhere you can go on this globe that that there wouldn't be some kind of something.
1: If anything will unite us, Kat, it will be this.
0: Yolanda. Mm -hmm.
1: I hate to say it. Um, If you want to be a special guest on the podcast where we discuss (laughs) the parole send us an email send us a dm we should probably do
0: like a live broadcast of the of the parole hearing
1: oh can we yes does somebody have a cousin who's on the parole board
0: oh my god that would be awesome sauce let us know we we need to be part of that we
1: do Mm -hmm. this is
0: can we go testify and be like no this is it's a travesty if you let her
1: out yes okay this is the story of our people Mm -hmm. the pocha people Hey, she's, she's one of the OG Pochas. She is the OG Pocha, straight up. Mm-hmm. The, the, if we were to have a matriarch of Pochanes, it would be Selena. It is. I agree. This is, this is our business. 100% our business. This is our
0: business. Okay. This has also been our bonus, bonus, oh. bonus. Happy leap year. Happy leap year, uh, weedy weedy. Talking about all things language is power, all things keep Yolanda in twenty twenty five, and we shall catch you. Where can where can people catch us other than on the flip side?
1: Always on Instagram. Really, pretty much that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram. Hey, Instagram
0: uploads the Facebook too. So. Okay,
1: yeah, by default, Facebook. Um, we canceled our twitter x or whatever boo um and we still don't know how to make tiktoks so one day (laughs) one day (laughs) um so yeah this has been the
0: weedy weedy for february happy leap year for those celebrating which means um typically we'd put this out on the 28th it will be out on the 29th
1: yay with extra content
0: yes so i am kat
1: i'm still charlene and we'll catch you on the flip side bye